0: Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us this Christmas Eve. If we could let the folks in the lobby know that we are beginning, folks can find their way to their seat. For those I haven't had the privilege of meeting yet, my name is Aaron Campbell. I serve as one of the pastors here at Redeeming Grace Church. It's my delight to welcome each of you this Christmas weekend, as we celebrate the wonder of God becoming man for us. Uh, for those who have children, we do not have any child care this evening, so we may hear a few voices as we go. We do have some activity packets at each of the doors um, with some coloring sheets and different things for the kiddos, so feel free to grab one of those right now so that the kids can have that as we go on throughout this evening. We are, just to give you a quick heads up of what's to come, we are going to begin with uh, a few scripture readings, with singing some Christmas songs of worship, of being reminded of the King who left heaven to come and to rescue us. Then Matt is going to share a message with us, and we will share communion together just before we're finished Afterwards, we'll enjoy a light reception with one another. Um, let me get us started by reading from Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel.
1: When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus.
2: Let's stand to sing. Oh.
3: voices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voice. was born O night divine O night when Christ was born truly he taught us to love one another his law gospel is peace. change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise. His power. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the God at sea, hail the incarnate deity. Jesus as with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Hail the hand-born Prince of Peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness Light and life to all He brings Risen with healing in His wings
1: Mild He
3: lays His glory by Born that men no more may die Born to raise the sons of earth Born to give Him second birth, Hark the Herald Angel, sing Glory to the Newborn King. Hark the Herald Angel, sing Glory to the Newborn King.
4: When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh.
3: Angels from the realms of glory Wing your flight o'er all the earth Ye who sang creation's story Now proclaim Messiah's birth Come and worship, come and worship Worship Christ the newborn King Shepherds in your fields abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Sages leave your contemplations, brighter visions beam afar. Seek the great desire of nations, ye have seen his natal star. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Though an infant, now we view Him, He shall fill His Father's throne. Gather all the nations to Him, Every knee shall then bow down. Come and worship, come and worship, Worship Christ the newborn King. Join in praising God the Father, Spirit, Son Evermore your voice is raising To the eternal three in one Come and worship Come and worship Worship Christ the newborn King Come and worship Come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King.
1: The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did
4: not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him.
3: praise the father praise the son praise the spirit three in one god its breath, till that stone was moved for good, and the land had conquered death,
1: and the dead rose from their tombs,
3: and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored, and the church of Christ was born, Then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel and shall not faint By his blood and in his name In his freedom I am free
1: For the love
3: of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me Praise the Father Praise the Son Praise the Spirit Three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory. Praise forever to the King of Kings. Praise forever to the King of Kings.
2: little loud. Can you hear me now in the back? Excellent. Well, Merry Christmas again in case you didn't hear me yell Merry Christmas to begin with. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Excellent. I'm glad we don't stand on formality. We are a family and sometimes things go bump in families, right? Um, I'm turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 reading verses 13 and 14. We already heard from the, the verses preceding this that the angels have come and they had announced to the shepherds, And here we hear the second part where the angel came and now he's joined. And it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to commemorate the birth of your son that you sent Jesus to this earth to become a man to take our place in every way, to live, to die for us, to be resurrected, that Jesus is now our hope. I pray that you would bring us the hope of peace with you tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. There was an armistice agreement on the 11th day and the 11th hour of the 11th month, and it was supposed to be the agreement was to end all wars forever. It was to end the war of all wars, or as they called World War I. The Armistice Agreement of 1918, it didn't last, though. It was not a lasting peace. It didn't bring the peace that everyone thought that it would bring. They thought that surely the whole world will never be at war again because, after all, the consequences were high. There were 20 million people who died in World War I. 21 million people wounded, and so the world thought that we will learn our lessons and peace will finally be here. And this armistice now is a celebration of peace going forward, and now things will be different. But yet, 20 years later, there was World War II. And peace, though, it didn't stop, it didn't start after World War II. It it continued to be elusive. You see, peace is a very fleeting thing. If you think of peace as a cessation of war, as a cessation of hostility, as the ceasing of conflict, then you have to wonder what does peace really mean at all? If you define peace by a lack of war, then it would be truly fleeting. After all, if that was the definition of peace, it has never occurred. It hasn't occurred on this earth, the cessation of war, ever since Cain killed his brother Abel. There have been hostilities, there's been conflict, and there has been some form of war. So what does it mean that angels declared peace? If, if it was what Linus said to Charlie Brown... When Charlie Brown asked for what the meaning of Christmas was and Linus answered him, he, he quoted from this same verse but it's a little different in how he quoted it and he said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Did you notice the change of wording? You see, in the wording it could be misleading if you think that Jesus' primary mission was to come to, to bring peace on earth in the, in the sense of cessation of war, cessation of hostilities, cessation of conflict. You can think that Jesus, the angel, declared peace on earth as if we should have peace by now on this earth, as if world peace should be experienced by all. But if that's what he meant, then Jesus' mission was not successful. If peace on earth means the cessation of war and hostility on earth, then it would seem that what Jesus came to do was not effective. But the good news is that really wasn't Christ's mission. After all, 2,000 years since Christ, we have experienced war after war. There's been hostility, conflicts, fighting, rumors of war. The various parts of the world have experienced war nonstop to some degree. And, and even today, as I speak, there is currently war going on in, in many countries of the world, in Ukraine, in Myanmar, in Ethiopia, in Eritrea, in Somalia, in Syria, in Yemen. Whether or not you hear about those things in the news... There's fighting going on today. So what did the declaration of the angels mean? And to begin with, if you think about it, it's a little ironic because it talks about a multitude of the heavenly host. And that word for heavenly host, it literally means army. And so you have an army declaring peace. But I would submit that we've misunderstood what they meant I think the wording of the version of the ESV that we've read gets the meaning correct when it says that peace among those with whom he is pleased. But if you get it the other way around, you think that Christ came to bring just peace on earth to everyone broadly, then you kind of get the meaning of what was said wrong. I don't know if you've ever passed a sign that says slow children at play. If you read it wrong, you... (laughs) You'll think that it means there's slow children playing and you'll feel sad, maybe. But it won't have the effect that it's meant to for you to slow down because children are playing. It's not commenting on the state of those children, but the fact that they're present and you should slow down is meant to have an effect if you read it correctly. Jesus' mission was not to bring peace in the sense of ending wars and conflict on this earth. And in fact, nowhere in Scripture does it ever say that, at least not until He returns. In fact, he said the opposite in Luke 12. In Luke 12, 49, he said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it's accomplished. He says, Do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? He's answering this question. He says, No, I tell you, but rather division. And you think, hang on, what did the angels mean then? He says, from now on, in one house there will be divided, five divided, three against two, and two against three. There will be divided father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Every familiar relationship will have division. Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace, but division. Division based on him, actually. Mark actually tells us that Jesus instructed his disciples in Mark thirteen five, and he said to them, see that no one leads you astray. He says, many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they'll lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. Don't think his mission has failed. He says, this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdoms. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Be on your guard. For the way they will deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues. And you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. So if Jesus did not come to bring the cessation of hostilities on earth, what is this gospel that must be proclaimed? The gospel, it literally comes from the word, the same word that we had translated from the passage that we read to begin with when the angels were declaring good news of great joy. The gospel is Good news. It's the same exact word. And so, this, this good news that they came to declare, they said it's going to be good news of great joy for all people. So, that means their good news is going to result in great joy and it's going to be available to all people. Our primary passage, they announced, they said, this good news is nothing other than on earth peace among those with whom He's pleased. It's good news that must be preached. The, the gospel is the announcement of peace among those with whom God is pleased. But the then question has to be answered, with whom is God pleased? And if you think about it for long, it becomes a little challenging. Because Isaiah said in Isaiah 48:22, he says, "There is no peace," says the Lord, "for the wicked." And you think, "Well, who could he be talking about? Who are the wicked?" In Romans 3, it tells us, in Romans 3.10, it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So effectively, we're all apart from Christ. We are all wicked, every one of us. No one's better than the other. Isn't that an uplifting message on Christmas Eve? (laughs) So we're all unrighteous, all unworthy. None of us are completely good on our own. We're all wicked on our own, really. And so, how can we have peace? If everybody's unrighteous and worthless, everybody does not do good, not even one. 1 Corinthians 6, 7, it says that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then what hope is there for us to have peace? This peace that the angels declared. If God can't be pleased with us on our own, then there's no hope for peace. But we find that there's someone who God announced that he was pleased with. You see, God didn't just send his son on Christmas morning. He he sent his son to to live in our place. And, And fully around 30 years after he was born, Jesus had encountered every form of temptation, every form of trial, every form of challenge to belief in God that we might encounter not the exact same way but the kernel of every sin he was tempted by and after he was tempted and he was tempted by the devil himself which very few of us can say that he resisted temptation in every way, and then he was baptized. And when he came up from his baptism, it says in Luke 3, it says, When the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven declaring, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And so we know then that for Christ, God is well pleased with him, so peace of God rests on Christ with whom he's pleased. That's great to know, but how can we be pleasing to God? It's a question each and every one here needs to answer. How, How can we receive peace? How can we be pleasing to God? Hebrews 5, 6 tells us that there is something that's necessary in order for us to receive God's pleasure. It says in Hebrews 5, 6, without faith it's impossible to please Him. Without faith it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So in order to be pleasing to God, we have to believe in God. And if we don't, though, the stakes are high. Because if we don't believe God, not only would we want to have peace, we're going to receive the reverse of peace, which is God's wrath. Romans 2.5 uh, says, Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And by the way, since God is omnipotent and He's eternal, the idea of experiencing the, the all-powerful eternal wrath of God, that is frightening indeed. That's the reverse of peace. So how do we have peace? With whom can God be pleased with? We have the answer in John 1.12. John tells us, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. So all who receive Jesus, who believe in his name have the right to become children of God. But what does that mean? It means believing in all that Jesus was and all that he said and all that he did it means then receiving him as a gift from God in our place to be pleasing to God because we could not be pleasing it means to receive all the right living of Jesus in our place as a gift that we receive by faith. It also means receiving Him in our place and believing that, that He died for us and takes, took all the wrath that we deserved. It means believing on that and receiving that personally. If we receive and believe on Jesus like that, then it, we can be sure that God is pleased with us if we have faith like that. If we receive by faith all the merit of Jesus so that all who receive Him and believe in His name We can be sure that God has reborn us, made us new in the very image of his son. And we can hear the father saying to us the same words that he spoke to Jesus when he says, this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. The question is, have you placed your faith in him? If so, we can have the peace that the angel declared. Not peace that's the absence of war, but peace that's far greater Peace is far deeper, peace that we really need, a peace that will surpass our understanding. Because what we often understand can be a source of fear, can't it? Anybody here ever fear at all? You can raise your hand. We're going to be interactive tonight. So if you ever fear or tempted to fear, fear is the opposite of peace, really. We can lack peace and fear all kinds of things. We can we can fear. A myriad of possibilities. And I wonder what you fear. If, if you're honest with yourself, you'll admit you fear something. I do. Let me give you some suggestions of possibilities for what you might be fearing. We might fear failure. We might fear losing our reputation. We might fear failure and rejection. We might fear punishment. We might be fear showing, being shown for how bad we really are. We might fear not being impressive and looking silly. Maybe we fear loss of security, either financially or relationally. Maybe you fear your kids won't turn out the way you think they should. Maybe you fear that we won't be loved. Maybe we fear that someone might do something to us to harm us, or fear that we'll never get over what someone else has done. Or maybe we fear that we'll never be healthy again. We can fear the future. What do you fear? All these things can cause anxiety and worry and a lack of peace. The Apostle Paul, though, tells us the antidote to those fears, that lack of peace. In Romans 15, 13, he says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That's how peace comes, in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, not believing what we see, not believing what we experience, but believing in him so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you might abound in hope. And we can not only have positional peace, but we can experience a peace through believing in Jesus that's abiding. And Jesus addresses every one of the fears that I mentioned, and he gives us his perfect Peace. You see, it doesn't matter if you fail. God says that all who are in Jesus are more than conquerors in him because he never failed. And his success is credited to us as unbelievable as that seems. It says that no matter what God has, has, I mean, no matter what people think of you, God has already said what is most important of you, that he accepts you completely in Christ because he accepts all the merits of Christ in your place. He completely approves of you so you don't need to worry about the approval of others if you believe in Him. If you're in Christ, you're never going to be rejected by God no matter who else might reject you. Because you've trusted in Him, you'll never be punished by God ever again because Jesus was punished for you. So you need fear no punishment. And because God already knew everything that you have done and everything you ever will do and forgave us in Christ punishing Christ for us in our stead you never have to fear that he will punish you again or he'll reject you or you'll be cast off God's already impressed with you not because of you but because of all the impressive merits of Christ that are credited to you so you don't have to worry about being unimpressive or silly Because Jesus has secured your future and He's promised an eternal inheritance for you. You don't need to worry about loss of security or even finances here on this earth because He has riches that are stored up in heaven. No matter what happens here, if you die a pauper, you have His riches that you will receive for all eternity. Because we know that God loves us and He loves our children more than we do. He's mighty to save. We can trust in Him for our children and for all of our parenting mistakes as well we don't have to fear never being loved because now the father loves us as his own daughter and son no matter what people do to you if you believe in him you've been saved by his grace you're secure in him and he holds your future and no one can take you from his hand that's the kind of peace that we know If you've placed your faith, if you believed in Him and received Him, that's the kind of peace that you have assurance of. And if you've not yet, then you can be sure of this kind of peace. And you can sing with great joy. In a few moments, we're going to be taking communion together. Maybe you're here and you haven't believed in Jesus yet, maybe you haven't received Him as your Lord. You can do that right now where you sit. If you have believed in him and received him as Lord, then then you can place fresh faith and belief in him. If not, it doesn't take more than repenting and acknowledging that you can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do on your own to be worthy before God. And it takes being repentant before God of all of your sins, confessing to him that you need him, confessing that you believe that, that Jesus came In your place, to take your place, to live and to die for. You can pass the communion out, please. That'd be good. Thank you. That he earned all the favor of God for us. Jesus didn't just earn God's favor. He took all of the wrath of God. He bore all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt He took the punishment that you and I deserve. He died for us on a cross. That's why we celebrate at Christmas. We don't just celebrate that he came as a baby. We celebrate all that he is, that that God himself would come to earth. The son of God would become man, taking our place, living in our place, dying in our place, and now is resurrected so that we have hope in him. This is the good news that brings peace. And God is pleased with all those who place their faith in this good news. Colossians 1.19 tells us, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. And he tells us how. He says, by the blood of his cross. You see, wrath remained until Jesus died. But Jesus has made peace by the blood of his cross. And then it hears the promise and says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. What does that mean? That means that he did this so that you might be pleasing to him, you might be righteous in him, so that you might experience his peace. Romans 5 assures us that this peace that comes to belief. It says... Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we've obtained access by faith and in, in the due this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, the glory that the angels sang about. As we close, we're going to take communion together, professing our faith in Him. What we're confessing is this greatest declaration of peace, the greatest signing of any armament which was signed with His blood. We're no longer at war with God, and He is the one who keeps us in His peace forever. No matter what hostilities might come, He keeps our peace. He holds our peace. We have bread that we're going to take in just a moment here, and it represents the gift of Jesus of His entire life. The fact that God became flesh, and He dwelt among us. That He became not just a baby, but He lived life as a man completely in our place. And then he died, he offered up his flesh, dying in our place as a substitute for us. And, and we eat this bread symbolizing and remembering that his body was given for us beginning at Christmas and ending in the cross so that we can have hope of peace. Let's eat the bread together. Jesus, thank you that you, on the night when you were betrayed, gave your body for us, and we receive your body in our place, in your name, amen. This juice, it represents the lifeblood of Jesus, that he willingly gave himself up, that he became a sacrifice in in our place, that his blood was shed for us. As we drink, we remember that his blood is the final, the ultimate peace offering before God that's poured out before the throne room of God. So that all who trust in his body and his blood for us, we receive his perfect peace. So let's drink together by faith, receiving his peace. Now, as we close, we're going to get a chance to sing of the joy that we have, and we can have an an experience of peace that's not just intellectual, but that we personalize. Philippians 4 tells us that that God is with us, the Lord is at hand. Therefore, day by day, we, we don't need to be anxious, as the Lord is at hand, therefore do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. It says, here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now let's stand together and let's sing rejoicing of the great peace that we have in him. Let's sing.
3: Joy to the world. Let earth receive her King, let every heart prepare Him room, And and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven. Joy to the world, the Savior brings. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. And wonders of His love And wonders of His love And wonders, wonders of His love Joy to the world The Lord is come Let earth receive
0: Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love I am nothing if I give away all I have And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Tonight we've been reminded that God used the tongues of angels to declare his plan for peace between God and man, and proclaim his great love for his people. The arrival of the Savior who lived a life fully pleasing to God, and then out of love, delivered up his body as a sacrifice for our sins. Lord, how marvelous, not only the announcement of peace proclaimed by the tongues of angels, but your great love that propelled your life and your actions that you came to rescue, to save those who were not worthy, how good, and kind you are, and how sweet it is that we can have peace with you now and forever. In your great name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us this Christmas weekend. We're delighted that we've had this opportunity just to celebrate the King who has come. If you are guests with us, we'd love to get the opportunity to meet you, to give you a gift before you head out. Also, we invite everyone to just stay and linger um, as we have a light reception. You are dismissed. Thank you again so much. You leave, we have one more <laughs> business that we'd like do
4: as a family. God gave us a great gift of Christ on Christmas. He also continues to give his church gifts.